Matt Poorman. I'm the lead pastor here. Glad you were here with us this morning. Uh, one quick thing from me before we jump into the teaching today. Um, wanted to let you know about something. You've been seeing this on your handout for the last couple of weeks if you've been hanging around. But next Sunday, we are going to be doing this, family services next weekend. Um, and so here's uh, at Cornerstone, uh, again, we, we believe that there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? Kids matter to God and they matter to us. And so we are going to have the entire church family, including kids, together in this room next weekend. And so it's the fifth Sunday of the month. We're going to do that every uh, fifth Sunday of the month, which happens three or four uh, times a year. And so just to give you a little heads up what's going to happen, we're going to be honoring our high school graduates for all of their hard work and their achievements uh, in graduating next weekend at both services. And then we'll also um, uh, have some of our uh, students helping out with worship, some things here on the stage. Uh, And then we're also going to be, I'm excited about this, we're going to be doing one of the kids' worship songs as part of our worship next weekend. It's going to be so much fun. And then uh, we'll have all the kids and hear things like that. And now some of you are um, already panicking, right? Because you're like, how am I going to keep my little one in the service? Which, by the way, side note, uh, we will have our babies and our juniors classes available if you would like to utilize them. But we would love for all those kids, if even for part of the service, would be in here with us uh, next weekend. And But those will still be available if that's helpful to you. I'm thinking of like Tyler and Shannon showers. They're going, Matt, it's my hour to be away from my kids. Um, <laughs> so it's okay. If you want to do that as well, we would welcome that. But it's going to be super exciting. I'm really pumped about this, uh, and we're going to kind of give this a shot next weekend. So come back. It's going to, it should be a good weekend next weekend when we're doing our family service. Now, we're going to go into the teaching. So if you have a Bible, if you want to grab one underneath your chair, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. That's where we're going to land, Acts chapter 16. Um, you can always use your smartphone if you want to look up the scripture that way. And to get us started today, uh, we're going to actually have a little bit of crowd participation this morning. All right? I know, it's one of those mornings. Some of you are going, Matt, you're just kind of, it's too early. I need some more coffee. All right, and so here I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. I actually want some answers this morning, okay? Uh, so if money was not an, an object, if you had all the money in the world, you could do whatever you wanted with it, okay? What is one material possession that you would purchase? Okay, what's one material possession? Give me, give me a couple. Dirt bike. Corvette, yes. A donkey? <laughs> what? <laughs> We'll talk after service on that one. A house. A boat. A church. A church building. Yeah, I, I like you. Yeah, let's do. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you uh, what two things are on Matt Poorman's list. Okay, the first one is this. Somebody mentioned it. It's a boat. I, I want a boat. I love boating. I love driving boats. I actually have an Indiana State boating license to drive a boat. I used to work at a camp where we would drive a boat. Uh, I love pulling tubers. Uh, really, I don't like pulling tubers. I like throwing the tubers off the tubes, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but I love all water sports. I love to ski. I love to kneeboard. I love to tube. Uh, we would take a staff retreat back when I was at Vineyard Mishawaka to a lake, and we would tube, and uh, people would not want to go tubing with me because I would jump on their tube, and I would pull them off just for fun. Uh, but I love water sports, and I know, I know, I know, I know that people say the best day of a boat owner's life is the day you buy it and the day you sell it, but I still, I still really, really, really want a boat, okay? So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing is this. It is a black four-door Jeep Rubicon. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like uh, Tim Allen, like, Ugh. Yeah. And really, the only reason I want that is because I need something to pull the boat, basically, right? <laughs> So all that said, all right, I was trying to find a unique way uh, of really essentially just talking about the boat this morning, all right, because when I started to uh, to think about our teaching for today, I started thinking about a boat, and here's why. Um, Have you ever been in a boat or, or seen somebody who was driving a boat dock a boat? 
right? We've probably been, most of us have seen that, right? And so when you dock a boat, what do you think is better? Coming in hot and fast or a slow approach? A slow approach, right? Absolutely, because if you come in hot and fast, right, you're going to probably damage the dock, the boat, maybe some people inside the boat, those kind of things. The approach, a slow approach, makes all the difference in being able to successfully dock the boat, okay? So I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about, uh, are there any golfers in the room? Anybody a golfer? A couple of you guys, okay, you can tell me. Okay, Jeremy's going like this, so he's really not a golfer, all right? Um, you can tell me if this is correct, but what I, I, I've been told, right, I'm not a golfer by any stretch of the imagination. I can't hit the ball, can barely get off the tee, things like that. So what I'm told is that in golf, for to be successful in golf, it's all in the approach, right? And, they, and I did a little research on this this week, and they say that the second shot off the tee is what is known as the approach shot, right? And if you do well, it'll set you up for an easy putt. If you don't do so well, you'll be like Matt and be way, way, way over par, all right? See, the approach, the second shot, it sets you up for what direction you're going to go, right? And so if you can track with me this morning, uh, if I can kind of transition that to us in our human experience, this idea of approach, boats, golf, our approach matters, Right? And when we are uh, approaching things every day, emotionally, relationally, our attitude with others, our approach, doesn't it matter? Absolutely. Right? And so that's where we're going to head today. We're going to head uh, to this idea to talk about our approach, our attitude, and why it's something that we should look at, work on, and, uh, and really consider in our lives because it really, truly does matter. A couple of verses first. Philippians 2.5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Essentially, that's saying have the right mindset. Have the right, right approach. Have the right attitude. Haggai 1.5 says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. See, our ways, our approach, some things are worth looking at, working on. And our attitude, I would submit to you, is one of those things. And then uh, last one, Ephesians 4.29, some of you are probably very familiar with this verse. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How many of you know that for it to be helpful and beneficial, the approach is going to make all the difference, right? See, approach matters. And, and I'm sure that each, every, each and every single one of us, right, you've had great successes in your approach with people and you've done very well. But my guess is every single one of us have had great defeats too, haven't we? Okay, only just me. All right. No, I'm kidding. We all have had great defeats, right? We, we've had defeats with our, with our kids. We've had defeats with our spouses, our siblings, our boss, students in the room, we've, with your teammates or your classmates. We've even seen defeats with the customer service representatives, how many of you hate automated autom systems? Man, they drive me crazy. So I was on the phone this week with one of them, and I found myself on the phone going, human being! I want to talk to a human being! My approach was not so great that day. So I want you to hold those thoughts. We are in a series here at Cornerstone called Bare Necessities, The Marks of a Healthy Start. And so what we're doing in this series, we're ending this series next weekend, but we've been looking at the early church in the book of Acts because they, like us, were just starting out as a church and they did some great things that I think we ought to be emulating for our, our church culture, our individual lives. And so it's been a great series so far. Um, and so just to remind us of our theme verses, we've been doing this every single week. It comes from Acts 2.42. It says, they, again, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so our uh, anchor of verse today is in verse 46, which we took a look at, a part of it, last week. And it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they had glad and sincere, which I think that word is super important, hearts. Essentially, they had a good approach. They had a good attitude towards each other. And I will submit to you, I think that was a key factor to their success and to their growth. And I hope that as we explore this today, it can be part of ours as well. And so our main text today is going to come from Acts 16. A little bit of background about what we're going to read today. This story is about the Apostle Paul and a guy named Silas. And essentially, they're out doing ministry, right? They're spreading the word of Jesus, those kinds of things. And uh, they're heading up to prayer, which, again, was a traditional thing that, that many uh, did in that time. And, uh, and so as they're on their way to prayer, they meet this slave girl who was possessed by an evil spirit who ultimately, because of the evil spirit, could predict the future. And so at some point, uh, Paul says, and he commands the spirit to come out of her, which it does. And, and in turn, because he did that, she was no longer to predict the future, which the people who owned that particular slave were really mad because they were making money and now they couldn't make any money. And so they, said, they seized Paul and Silas and they took them to the authorities and said, hey, these guys are causing uproar in our community. They need to be sentenced for that. And so they were sentenced to a flogging, which is a beating. And then they were uh, sentenced to go to prison. And so uh, we're going to pick it up in verse 23. And it says this in 1623. It says, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then he immediately he and his, all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So the title of our talk this weekend is Mindset, the Power of of our approach. And what I'm going to do this weekend is I want to talk about two things from the text that I th see that I think it's really important to regularly examine our attitudes, to, to seek uh, this really a good mindset, this glad and sincere heart from the text, a, a healthy approach like the early church, really what Paul and Silas had here in our text. Even when it's tough, because these guys were in a pretty tough circumstance and situation. I think there's some really great things that we can learn from these two guys today. And so that's where we're headed today. And just so you're aware, uh, Tyler mentioned it just a moment ago, but I'm also going to be having Stephanie Stanger will be helping me teach today. So she's going to be coming doing uh, point two. So just so you're not off guard, caught off guard when that happens, um, that's going to be coming up in just a couple minutes. So before I jump in too deep, I want to pause and pray. So if you would pray with me, and then we'll give you a couple things to think about. 
So, Father, we thank you for um, just a chance to come together and bless your name as the song we sang. God, we know that there are places all over the world like a meeting like this would be really challenging to have, and so we're grateful that we can worship you in spirit and truth this morning. But God, now as we take some time to, to dig deep into this text of Paul and Silas, I pray, God, that you would do something supernatural among us and we would be more like Jesus as a result of our time together. Not because of Stephanie or I today, but po- only by the power of the Holy Spirit in this room. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do a great work in us. God, we honor you with this time, and so we give it to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we have two points today. Here's your first one. You can write it in on your handout. Regularly examining our attitude is crucial because... Others take notice, because others take notice. I see this in verse 25 of our text. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and, the, and I underline this, the other prisoners were listening to them. And so I took notice as I was studying that, that the other prisoners, you know, they, they, they weren't what? They, they were not ignoring them, right? They, they were not getting annoyed with their singing, which if you have young children, it can be like that in your house sometimes, Right? But they, but they were not getting annoyed, right? They, they, what they were doing, they were, they were listening. They, they were taking notice of what Paul and Silas were doing. And, and if you think about this for a second, right? These guys, again, were in a tough situation. They were flogged, they were beaten, and not even just a little bit, it says severely. And then they were put in the inner cell, not the outer cell, the inner cell, and they were in stocks. See, they were in a, a really tough situation. And, and so, wait, they were what? They were singing to God? See, that's a different response. That's a, that's a different approach. And I think it got noticed because it was different. And see, what they could have done is they could have, they could have been frustrated. I'm sure they were frustrated. They could have tried to defend themselves, right? But, but they, they could have done a lot of things. But you know what they did do? The only thing that they actually did was changed their attitude. And I'll submit to you that I think that that's actually why the miracle happened in a, a, right after that, that the doors were, were swung open because they changed the mindset in which they were in. See, folks, you and I, we, and you've probably heard this before, but we live in a glass jar. Have you heard that saying before? Right? We live in a glass jar, which means that people are watching us. They, they, they watch us and, and, and they see what we say and they see what we do and they see how we react. And, and essentially, especially for those of us in the followers of Jesus they, that we're being watched. And, and then what happens is that there's almost kind of like this, this memory bank deposit that goes into somebody else's mind about you, about me. And sometimes those deposits are irreversible. And I don't know about you, but I want to be known a whole lot more for the positive attitude that I can, uh, I can muster up rather than the negative one. It's what Paul and Silas did here. It was the glad and sincere heart of the early church. A couple of verses. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Ecclesiastes 7.1, A good name is better than fine perfume. You see, a good reputation is something to be desired. We all want a good one. See, but our... Uh, how we approach things, others see our reactions, it's going to actually determine the outcome of that, whether it's one we want or not. I actually want you to write this statement in on your handout today, and we'll talk about it a little bit. To say a statement is this, our mindset affects more than the moment. It often influences the view of our character. Our mindset affects more than the moment. It often influences the view of our character. I think that statement is true. See, these deposits are made in the, in the minds of people around us. 
And I know for some of you here today, this is, this is easy for you, right? Uh, you are uh, actually a new term that I just, I never knew what this really meant, but some of you in the room are a Pollyanna. Anybody ever heard that before? right? Essentially, if you don't know what that is, right, that means that you are a half, glass half full kind of person. I, they also say that it's a uh, old little Mary sunshine. Some of you in the room, that's who you are. And actually, I want to know, are, you, are there any Pollyannas in the room today? God bless you, people. We need you people in the room, right? We need you in our lives because there are some of us in the room, right, that we're the complete other side of that, and we're the Debbie Downers, Right? We're the ones that like sometimes can be so critical, and Matt Portman can be like this sometimes. We can be so critical of things. We can always find something to complain about, which, by the way, is a pretty miserable way to live life. Amen? You see, we have, folks, we have the choice, like Paul and Silas did in our story, to engage in a negative way to the negative things that are going on in our lives and be known for that. Sorry, I'm spitting on you because I'm getting really excited. (laughs) Or we can regularly examine our attitude, our approach, and do what they did and turn the tables and see something significant happen. See, because even for them, right, before the doors opened up, right, they were not free. And yet they had what? Joy and peace and the fruits of the Spirit. They were not free, and yet there was some negativity, and yet they had peace. They changed their mindset. Man, I want my life, I want Matt Portman's life to be much more characterized by peace and joy than negativity. I want other people to see that. So I was trying to think of of a story of maybe when I did this well, and sometimes it's a little hard to find because I don't do this overly well. Um, So I was thinking back a few years ago, I took a group of students over to Cincinnati, Ohio to a student conference. And every year we would go, we would go on Monday and we'd go to the session. And then after the session, uh, we would go, we'd meet up with our host uh, who would then house us for the week. His name was Mark, awesome guy. And so there was one year that uh, we had about 50 students going and the place where we were going to stay fell through uh, at the last minute. And so as we're driving to Cincinnati, he's trying to line up a different place for us to stay. And on the drive there, I get the call like, hey, we found something. I was like, sweet. So after the session, we arrive at this place. It's about 11 o'clock. So we go in and what this place was, it was an old church that had been converted into an indoor soccer field. Okay, and so his idea was like, hey, we'll put guys over here, we'll put girls over there. And it would have been actually pretty decent if a couple of things didn't happen. First of all, um, it was uh, about 90 degrees outside that day and there was no air conditioning in this building. And these kids were gonna be going out and serving the community all day long. They're gonna be tired and then they're not gonna get sleep. So that was gonna be hard. So we're like, okay, we walk in, it's good. Whoa, it kind of smacks you in the face. So we sent one guy over to Walmart to buy a bunch of fans and we're gonna like make the best of a situation we've got. And while he's gone, some of the leaders come up to me and they go, Matt, there are cockroaches all over the building. And literally in every room of the building, there were cockroaches everywhere. And so you can imagine the panic that goes into the leadership team at that point going, what are we going to do? At this point, it's about midnight. And so uh, at that point, I was like, hey, you guys, there's not much we can do today. Uh, We'll have to sleep here. Trust that God's going to take care of us. And then I'll find a solution for us tomorrow, which the leaders were kind of freaking out at that point, right? And my wife comes to me at one point during all of this uh, scattering around, trying to figure all this out. And she, she was on the trip that year and she said, um, you're eerily calm. Why are you not freaking out like the rest of us? And see, in that moment, I think I had a Paul and Silas kind of moment 
where essentially I was going to trust God and try to figure out, look, hey, this is not the situation I would want for us to be in. It's not what we planned for, but here's where we are. We're going to trust God, and I'll come up with a solution tomorrow. And here's what, you know, happened is my wife noticed. And that was the thing. All she needed was to me, for me as the leader to be calm, and then it helped calm her down. So there's a, there's a quote out there, and you've probably heard this before. It says, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And you know, sometimes that 90%, folks, is literally just an attitude adjustment. Changing our approach to the situation, working toward a glad and sincere heart. Can you imagine, by the way, what the early church would have been been like if they all had crappy attitudes? We we wouldn't be studying them like we've been studying them the last uh, few weeks, right? We'd be studying them on what not to do rather than what to do, right? See, they had glad and sincere hearts. And so then I was also trying to think, okay, because again, I'm not really great at this whole glad and sincere heart thing. So SOS, I did well. But in, gen- in, in, in the general way I operate, I don't do this very well. And I know some of you are like, really? I like you're super fun and loving and high energy and all that kind of stuff and whatever. And, and I am high energy. Uh, I love people. I love to be around people and those kind of things. But um, actually, there, uh, a few weeks ago, I was at a wedding reception, and there was a, gr- <laughs> a couple that was sitting with us, and they made a Facebook post and posted this picture. And the, the, the tagline of this picture was saying, nothing like being shown up on the dance floor by the pastor, right? <laughs> so I enjoy myself. I have a good time, right? So yes, I, I do all those things. And I'm, uh, if you know the Enneagram, again, I'm a seven, so I'm an entertainer. I love to be those kind of things. I said, I'm not only a minister, I'm an entertainer. I'm a ministainer, right? Um, <laughs> but here's the, here's the other thing about me, though, is that I'm also an easy complainer. I, I'm also a, a very harsh and direct sometimes, And I can approach things negatively with anger, and I know that I have affected my reputation towards other people. There was a season of my life years ago, and I can still get into this every now and then as well, where I could be, I am an arguer. Uh, The biblical term for that is I'm quarrelsome. I have a quarrelsome spirit sometimes. And so um, I had actually, uh, where I would essentially I would argue with you about really anything until I got the conversation to go the direction I wanted to, uh, I won the argument, or I got my way. How many of you know that really affected my reputation? Actually, at one, it got really bad. At one point in my life, I had somebody who cares for me and loves me dearly basically said to me, Matt, you know, you kind of talk to your wife really rude sometimes. How many of you know that's not what I want my character to be? And so I went to work on figuring out how to not be as much of an arguer and let God really work in my life in the midst of that. Because how many, some of you know my wife, she's awesome. I always tell her that I married up, she can't really say the same thing, right? You're laughing because you know it's true. And, and so, I, so I really want to get better at this. And, and, and so I went to work at it. And then the people started to notice that I was getting better. And again, I, I can have these ebbs and flows. There was a season, even just in the last couple of months, with all the pressure, the, the church plant and those kind of things, where I haven't been doing really well. Lee and I had a conversation this week. She's like, well, if you're going to talk about that, you got to be really real with them, man. Okay? <laughs> and really, I would tell you, in the last couple of months, I have not been the most loving guy to my wife sometimes in the last couple of months. But again, the Holy Spirit's working on me and saying, Matt, you got to get better at this again. And here's why a couple of verses, by the way. These are great verses. Proverbs 10, 19. Phenomenal verse to memorize. Bring that verse up if you would. 
When words are many, sin is not absent. The NLT says it this way. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. How many of us need that verse? Every day. Next verse, Matthew 15, 11 says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Look at this, what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. See, we need to consider our approach, our attitude, what we say, how we interact with people, because folks, it matters. It can defile us or it can set us up. It's the approach shot. It can set us up for an easy life or a more challenging one. And so here's a question for you to consider. I think this is a phenomenal question to consider today. When others think of me, do they have peace? That is a great question. When others think of you, when they think of Matt Poorman, do they have peace? Because the Bible talks a lot about compassion and kindness and and, and, uh, peace, being peacemakers. Are we representing that to the people in our lives? I know I need to keep getting better. I need to keep getting better for myself because I want more of Christ's mindset in my life, but I also need to get better for you. I need to get better for my kids. I need to get better for my wife. I need to get better for the people I haven't even met yet, but I'm gonna meet in the next couple of months that God wants me to have an impact on their life and I wanna have the right mindset. So that's point number one, regularly examine our attitudes crucial because others take notice. Second point, again, we're going to have Stephanie Stanger come up uh, and share that. I want to introduce her briefly. So uh, Stephanie and Colin Stanger have been in Lee and I's life for uh, probably 10 plus years now. Uh, absolutely love and adore them greatly. Um, Stephanie's the outreach coordinator here at Cornerstone. Uh, she's also a photographer on the prayer crew, worship. She, just, she's doing lots of stuff. And so uh, why don't you guys give her a big, big, big round of applause as she comes today and shares with us. And as she is putting this on, I will share this point, and you can write this in on your handout. So point number two is this. Regular examining our attitude is crucial because it spreads. All right, and we see that in verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. It spreads. I know that was a long fill-in. Did you guys all get that written down? All right. Have you heard the quote, positive thinking brings positive results? Okay. So I think that that's true for negative two. Um, I started college as a psychology major, so I have a few psychology courses under my belt, and there is a term called self-fulfilling prophecy. Have any of you guys heard of that? So the definition is going to come up on the screen. It's a belief or expectation that you hold about a future event that manifests because you believe it. And I really like this quote by this guy. I'm not going to say his name, but I like the way that he kind of sums. And now you know why. Um, I like the way he kind of sums up that definition. If you expect the battle to be insurmountable, you've met the enemy. It's you. Sorry, there's another term called the placebo effect. I'm guessing most of us have heard of that one. Um, So you believe that you took this medicine, you have a headache, you're believing that this medicine is going to make your headache go away, right? And it does. It works. And then you find out later that, oh, that was just a tic-tac that somebody had left out on the counter, not your medicine. Um, But it still worked. The mind is a powerful thing. It really can do these things. Um, And so I have another example for you of this self-fulfilling prophecy. 
So say you're a teacher and I bring you a student and I tell you that this is a pretty low achieving student, troublemaker, doesn't get good grades. So when you give an exam and this student gets a C, probably not gonna be surprised. And when this student is talking to someone else in class, probably not gonna be surprised, right? You're probably gonna move them to the front, separate them from this other student, punish them. Um, now say I bring you the same student and um, I tell you that this student is gifted. They're very intelligent, that um, so well behaved, like you are just so blessed to have this student in your class. When this student gets a C on an exam, you're probably gonna pull them aside and be like, did you understand the material? Like, how can I help you with this? Um, you know, I, I, really, I really know you can do better than this. And when they're talking to someone in class, you might assume, oh, they, they missed something that I said and they just need, need it for their notes and you might let it slide, right? So they actually tested and proved this. They took a random group of students and told the teachers that these were high-achieving students. And then at the end of a year, they tested all of the students, and that random group of students did test higher than the control group. And the only difference was the teacher's perception of the students. Yeah, that was pretty eye-opening to me too. Our attitude can affect others. And I have seen firsthand how attitude can spread, good or bad. Um, the past few years, I was part of a mom's group, and this past year, I decided to join the leadership. And we were short child care volunteers, as is always in child care. Um, so they had said, like, the moms are going to have to take turns watching each other's kids. Um, and they really asked the leadership team to be supportive of this decision. So a friend came to me after talking to another leader, and she said, oh, so-and-so and I were talking, and like, this is so annoying that we have to watch people's kids, and like, we just want to enjoy the group or whatever. And like, one, I was like, I couldn't believe this other leader was participating in this conversation. And two, I was like, I, you know, I don't really think it's going to be that bad. Like, we actually only have to take one turn, and it'll be kind of fun to get to know our friends' kids and hold some babies. Um, and she was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I love holding babies, and my kids aren't babies anymore. And I'm like, yeah, and I wouldn't be able to be part of this group if I couldn't bring my kids and someone wasn't willing to watch them. And she was like, yeah, you're right. Guys, it spreads. Um, I don't know who this guy is, but I like what he had to say. So William James, I can say that name. He said, it is our attitude at the beginning of a difficult task, which more than anything will affect a successful outcome. So in our text, we get to see Paul and Silas's attitude in the midst of this difficult situation, right? They're in prison. But because of their awesome attitude, we can see that the jailer took them to his house. He washed their wounds. He fed them a meal. And like, that's all awesome. Like if just our good attitude, like got us invited to someone's house and like got a free meal, like that's awesome. But the most important part is that his whole household believed and were saved and were baptized and were filled with joy. What if our attitudes were the reason that someone accepted Jesus as their savior? What if our hope and joy in the midst of a trial caused someone to say, what is different about them? I want that. And they believed and were saved. So I accepted Jesus as my Savior in college, and um, shortly after, something happened. So 
This picture's going to come up. These are my, this is my siblings. There's five of us. Um, so my oldest is the fourth. Jenny, and then there's Katie, and then me, my brother Michael, and then my little sister Rebecca is in the middle. And she is eight years younger than me. And my mom was like, you're this eight-year-old walking around with a baby on your hip all the time. She's my baby. Um, and one of the most precious moments of my life is when my, letters, my little sister called me one day. And she said, you're different. Something happened. Something changed. What is it? And I told her it was Jesus. And she said, I want that. And I led her to accept Christ as her Savior that night on the phone. In tears like I am now. Guys, your attitude can affect someone's eternity. Whew, now for those of us feeling a little bit of anxiety at this point because you're getting all the like bad attitudes running through your head, right? And you're like, surely there was one good one somewhere at some point. Um, hang in there. There's hope. So um, this is not something we can strive for on our own. We will fail. We have a sin nature. We're kind of bent towards the, the negative but we don't have to strive for this on our own. Paul and Silas didn't, right? As Matt read to us, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So they weren't sitting there giving pep talks. They weren't listing the pros of the situation. They weren't even, like, thinking of positive outcomes. They were just having God time. And if we want a good attitude, we can go to God, too. So I have some helpful hints here for you. If you need an attitude adjustment, these are some things that we can do this week to make an improvement. So one, remind yourself who God is. You can write that down. So God can't lie. It's just not possible for him. So um, some verses are going to come up. Our first one is Luke 18, 19. No one is good but God alone. God is good. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful. Daniel 9.9, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. And Psalm 116.5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He cannot not be these things. This is who he is. I feel like that just like boosts your attitude right there, right? Number two, remind yourself who you are. Write that down. John 1.12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. 1 John 2.12, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. You are forgiven, Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. You are redeemed. John 15.9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You are loved. Ephesians 5.27, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. You are chosen. You are holy. You are blameless. 
I feel like somebody needs to hear this today, but we do not have to live for the approval of God. You are already approved of. We are living from that approval. Look at Paul. In Acts 9.1, he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. And yet, God loved him and approved of him and chose him, right? That is who you are. You are approved of. That is why we're here, loving him and worshiping him. Number three is pray. We can just ask God to change our way of thinking, right? Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So I recommend doing this first thing in the morning, right? Don't wait for that bad attitude to hit. Ask God to change your perspective first thing in the morning. And when you're in the midst of that bad attitude, don't forget to pray. Just in your head, if you're dealing with someone else. I have three kids, four, three, and one, and they're a lot sometimes. And sometimes when really frustrating me and I have a bad attitude, sometimes like all I can muster is like, Jesus, and that's okay, right? Just call to him. He knows. (laughs) Number four is praise. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults and with my song, I shall thank him. I think nothing improves our attitude better than thinking of someone other than ourselves. Psalm 66, 1, shout joyfully to God all the earth. And I don't know about you, but I can't really stay grumpy when I'm singing and dancing. And I highly recommend dancing for God because it is in the Bible. 2 Samuel 6, 14, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. So, as I close, I want to share one more quote with you from Henry Ford that I just loved. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So let's commit to trying those four things this week. Remind yourself who God is. Remind yourself who you are. Pray and praise God when we feel ourselves needing that attitude adjustment. And then let's watch how it spreads. Because, guys, I promise you, if you're dancing for God, someone is going to notice that. (laughs) So that's point two. Regularly examining our attitude is crucial because it spreads. All right, let's give Stephanie a big round of applause. Thanks, Steph. Worship team, if you guys can go on up, worship team is going to come up. So if this is your first time with us, I'll let you know what we're going to do. Uh, we're actually going to go into a responsive time of worship. So we're going to sing a couple of songs uh, and let the, let the Holy Spirit kind of soak over us what we just heard over the last couple of minutes and maybe see if there's something that he may want to do in your life uh, as we head into some prayer time. So uh, let me pray and then uh, we can go ahead and bring the lights down. Adam, I'll pray and then um, we'll enter some worship. So God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for um, just giving us... I am so grateful, God, for the Bible that teaches us. And a spirit, God, who can take all of that and put some wind behind it and can change our lives. So, God, I pray that as we sing these songs over the next couple of minutes, that your spirit would just be thick among us. 
that you would speak to our hearts, God, as we speak to yours and sing these songs. We don't want to just check church off the box this morning. We want to have an encounter with you, God, a holy, holy God. So as we sing, God, I pray that you would touch our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.